Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on funeral crashing, whether to get a boss a birthday gift, reading cards out loud in a group, and whether or not it's okay to leave an exercise class early. Plus your most excellent feedback etiquette salute in a postscript segment wrapping up our series on tricky foods. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about mothers and daughters tackling the you-look-like-sisters issue. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we're like barely here today, guys. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, we apologize. Dan, you you poor thing. You've like got the flu. I'm day five into the nastiest head cold I've had in a long time. I am so sorry, bud. That is no fun. I appreciate that. I appreciate your understanding and my apologies in advance to all of our listeners out there for the sound of my voice today, but you're safe. There's no (laughs) possible way you can get sick through a podcast. (laughs) I managed to just be exhausted from travel and have had one of those wonderful moments of crick in the neck. And man, when you get some kind of muscle or ten or something that's tight and holding things in places they aren't normally, it's like I kept waking up all night long. And poor Benny, I came home and he was quite sick, and so it's just it, it's like a mess. I feel you need like Mr. Miyagi mess. from the Karate Kid. <laughs> yes, I when do. he massages the shoulder and pops it, and all of a sudden everything's better. In other words, I need to go see my chiropractor. <laughs> you need some of that magic. I can't let that slide. You've been traveling again. <laughs> Tell me something exciting from the world because I've been I, home for five well, I days. I have a big hello to you from Brendan Noonan, formerly from Dinner Party Download. Awesome. Also author of uh, Brunch's Hell. And we he was uh, actually, I guess, hosting or leading the panel that I was on for a Lululemon event in New York City uh, on April 20th to celebrate 420. And so it was really fun. Um, we were with a couple other companies. Um, so I was there talking about social etiquette in regards to cannabis and uh, other folks were there talking about the medical and the scientific aspects of it. And so it was really fun. But getting to connect with Brendan again. How's and Brendan? He's awesome. He's doing really well. He's just back from 
a big trip. You can check him out on Instagram and making good jokes on Twitter as always. Rico are our pod fathers. <laughs> they really are. They're our pod fathers. And, and it was really great to be around him again and talking with him. And he's really excited about the book. So that was really fun. I just wish we could have spent even more time together. But it was great. It's always too short. It's always too short. But the events were all really fun. They went really well. I was at um, The Wing in New York, which is a really wonderful women's organization. I think of it now because I was in one of their penthouse locations. It felt like I was in like this wonderful stylish pink clubhouse treehouse clubhouse like it was really cool i got up there and i was like well this is a nice space wow hello i can see why so many women want to come and work here and talk with other people about ideas hmm interesting i like this a gentlewoman's club it kind of was a gentlewoman's club i really liked it so i had a really great event with them and uh got to see some friends while i was in the city nice. and uh it was it was a good time i spent a lot of time walking around around though which it was great we had two nice days in new york and i just kept trucking it (laughs) up and down the city it was great (laughs) i'm just a little bit jealous (laughs) it was very funny you would have really liked i did an interview at the grill with punch which is a media outlet that uh, often focuses on cocktails and i had a wonderful champagne fizz and the reporter i was with leslie had this beautiful martini that was served in like a frozen glass shaker and it was very she she and cool and i really liked it we were at the grill <laughs> only in New York. Only in New York. It's well, a fun maybe time. not only in New York, but definitely the kind of thing you can do in New York. Exactly. It was a really good time. Um, so glad to be back here. Have missed you a ton. Very glad that this microphone and the show always brings us back together. But so sorry that you're not feeling well, cuz. I will be okay. Do you think you're feeling up to some questions, sir? I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of uh, normal routine right now. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. We begin today with a question about funeral crashing. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. A few months ago, a friend and colleague died very suddenly, and those of us who knew her were completely shocked. Mary was my mentor when I first got into the business 17 years ago, and I became friends with her and her family. Over the years, we changed jobs and drifted apart, so we only saw each other once a year or so, but we were always happy to get together. I had attended a memorial put together by Mary's current co-workers and spoke to her husband, Jim, there. I had donated $100 to her daughter's education fund and sent a large basket of food to her family earlier that week. Neither of these was acknowledged by Jim, but I figured with the shock of her death I shouldn't take it personally. A few months later, Jim sent out invitations to a private friends and family memorial. I heard about it from mutual friends and was surprised that I was not invited. A few acquaintances asked me if I was attending, and I said that I wasn't because I hadn't received an invitation. They said Mary would have wanted me there and I should attend anyway. One person even insisted and got others to chime in, trying to make me feel bad for dishonoring Mary's memory. I felt very uncomfortable with this. Wedding crashing is bad enough, but funeral crashing? I didn't even consider it. My feeling is that Jim invited the people he wanted to be there, and that wasn't me. The invitations didn't say, bring a guest. Also, I wondered if the fact that he didn't thank me for the contribution and the food meant more than I thought, and I really wasn't welcome. Did I do the right thing? I haven't seen Jim since, but will eventually because we have friends in common, and the topic of Mary will naturally come up. I feel that a little awkwardness now is better than the awkwardness of turning up unannounced when a family is mourning. What do you think? Not a crasher. My first thought is that I'm sorry for your loss. Me too. This sounds like a wonderful person in your life and it's a sudden sudden change. A friend and a mentor, someone yeah. who made an impact in your life and was also someone you felt close with. Especially when you're looking at 17 years. That's almost two decades. That's a long time to be around someone. It really is. And how you proceed from this point, I think there are some good etiquette concepts that can help. And one of the things that's really nice about etiquette is there are these moments in life that are transitional and the stakes start to come up a little bit and it can feel awkward. It can feel emotionally intense and it can be a really nice thing to have some of those guidelines to help figure out what to do. I would start by leaning on the idea that you don't want to be a crasher and I can feel that that is something that's understood in terms of the way you're asking this question. But I want to affirm that notion that you don't want to show up if you feel like you weren't invited and 
that the intent was for this to be a smaller gathering, a private gathering. I do think that there is a little bit of latitude. There's a little bit of room to play here. I think that you could, and this all has to be done with some subtlety and sensitivity, ask someone who is invited if it's okay to bring a guest or if it's okay to extend an invitation to someone who felt very close to Mary, who they thought might really appreciate getting that invitation, who Mary would have wanted to be there the way these friends expressed that to you. It's a little bit tricky asking a host if you can invite other people to an event they're putting together. But I think that you can do that in this kind of a situation with a little sensitivity, with a little permission, if it's not okay, to say no and that you won't do it. And I think that's a way that that ask could be made. I even think that you could maybe make that ask yourself, depending on your relationship with Jim. You've mentioned feeling some awkwardness there. And I I can understand if you didn't want to cross that line, but if he was someone you felt close enough to or you felt strongly enough about wanting to be there. But it does get tricky because the idea here is for a smaller gathering and it can be tough to ask to be included because it makes it really hard for someone to say no if they don't want to do that. I'm wrinkling my nose over here. I do not think that this is something you should ask of the family at this point in time. I think it is too sensitive. It's one thing if you were Mary's best friend and mother of the godchildren or like an aunt, you know what I mean? But I think that because you're a friend who was only seeing Mary once a year at this point, you are very close with her and this is an important relationship. But I would um, I would not ask the family. I would lean on someone else to ask the family. And I think the ways Dan's talking about are are okay ways to do so. If someone wants to reach out and say, hey, I know Mary meant a lot to so many people. And I just, in checking with who's going and who's not, have, have noticed there are some folks I didn't want to disrespect your choice of group, but I wanted to ask you first if it was okay to extend the invitation to other people or if this is really kind of more of a private closed event and I want to respect your wishes no matter what. I think that's how you have that conversation so that the out is there, the out that Dan's talking about is present and offered up easily. What I would not do, not a crasher, is I would not be assuming that the lack of thank you for or acknowledgement for for um, the sympathy notes and for the donation and everything is anything more than a slight of awareness. Um, I think that it is just something that slips during this time. Some people don't even know that they're supposed to send thank you notes, and sometimes the list is so long and they're so overwhelmed by it, it could take them years to get to it and to realize that that's something that they should have done and then decide to do. It's it's a really tough tough moment. You never know how much etiquette someone knows. And that's something that we're all battling on a regular basis. So um, I say do not ask directly. I say don't take on any of the guilt that these people are trying to put on you that you're dishonoring Mary by not forcing your way into this event. I think that other people can ask on your behalf and they can do it in a general way. Someone could ask specifically on your behalf to say, hey, I was talking to so-and-so and she 
mentioned not having received anything when I had asked her if she was going, and I'm sorry for having done that, but this is what happens, and I just I think she'd probably really love to be invited if there's room. It can be that easy, especially, as we said before, when you give the, the person you're asking an out. Not a crasher, we're so sorry for your loss, and we really hope that you and, and all of those who knew Mary are uh, finding support together right now. Our next listener is stumped at work and asks, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to help us navigate some very sticky situations. I don't think my question is that unique, but Google is not helping too much. Here's my question. I work at a small company and have one direct boss. He gave me a $50 gift card for my birthday a few months ago, which, although generous, was completely unexpected and made me a little uncomfortable. His birthday is next week. How should I reciprocate? I've never given a boss a birthday gift as I didn't think it was proper etiquette. But now I'm thinking ahead and wondering what to do in that case. Thank you in advance. I think we can I, – I kind of want to make short work of this one. I think there's some short work to do here. Okay. Let's keep it short then. I say that you don't have to give something back unless you're really close friends with your boss and you can really have that equality in a social situation and that boss-employee relationship at work. I think that you give a card at the birthday instead and that that's what you reciprocate with. There's no etiquette rule that says you have to reciprocate nope. a gift with a gift, particularly when you're talking about things traveling up and down the food chain at work. Yeah. So that's us making short work of it. Although I'm going to do that thing. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Here are some exceptions. Okay, what are some of these If exceptions? you did... I gave the exception. <laughs> <laughs> when you're buddies, like when you're really buddies outside of work, and, it, and that's like my exception. What other that's exceptions a good exception. do you have? You have other exceptions? Oh, my goodness. No, well, I I'm like kidding. that exception because it's a small company, and you might have that kind of feeling. There might be a certain camaraderie in a small office where— Out of the short zone now, totally, guys. All right, keep going, keep going. So here's my other yeah, thought. Yeah, the other exception. You could organize your fellow coworkers to do a group gift for your boss. Oh, that's— a th- Thoughtful idea. As I stumble over the thought, oh, that's fraught with all kinds of groans and moans. No, if people like the boss, that's usually a good welcome thing. And the idea behind not giving a gift to your boss is you don't want to create the impression of trying to curry favor. You don't want to look like you're trying to set yourself apart or do something inappropriate in terms of a, a gift that costs something if other people aren't going to do that. And one way to work around that is to ask people if they're interested in chipping in to get your boss something. You can all sign the card. You organize that. You don't require people to participate. You let everyone sign the card, whether they chip in or not, if it is something that you decide to do, and you make it a gift from the whole team. Okay. But let's go back to this question and say, we get a $50 gift card from the boss. I think that this is much more in the territory of company standard act that's been approved. You know what I mean? It might come directly from this one boss if it's not something that that does happen regularly. But the other thing you could do is 
was just a thanks so much for being a great boss and don't tie it to any specific holiday event or anything like that. That would be another way kind of collectively to say thank you for all the good work that a boss does, including remembering the birthdays. We hope that was a little more helpful than Google was and that you feel a little better prepared to deal with this birthday that's coming up. Tell me, why are you interested in this job? I need a steady job, Mr. Wiley, with a chance to go places. I see. What do you think of that? I think it's a pretty normal situation. A business has to live within its income. Our next question is titled, Card Reading Out Loud. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. When I open cards and gifts in front of a group at a birthday celebration, I often come across a card in which the giver has written a long personal note. While I love receiving such handwritten notes, it somehow feels awkward to read the entire note silently while I am the center of attention. Is it impolite to put away the card to read later in private and just move on to opening the gift? Or should I announce that I will read the note later and then move on to the gift? Or should I take the time to read the entire note silently while everyone watches? When I have read the note in front of the group, I often get teary-eyed at what the giver has written or feel like I have to respond to a very personal sentiment in a public way. I want to honor the note writer, but I don't want to make others feel uncomfortable, as if the giver and I share a relationship that warrants a special note. Even in one-on-one scenarios between a gift giver and recipient, is it appropriate, even in one-on-one scenarios between a gift giver and recipient, to go silent while reading a long note on a card? Sometimes I just tuck the card away and say, oh, I'll read your sweet note later. However, doing so seems awkward and may give the giver the impression that I did not appreciate what they have written. What is the best way to handle this situation? Thank you for considering my question. Sincerely, Curious Card Reader. This tickles me pink in so many ways because you've got, like, this beautiful sentimental moment between two people. And you're right. I don't really want to share it with everybody else. And I thought this question was going to be about just reading the card aloud because like at, often at family birthdays, I don't know if you guys do this over at the Sunning Hill that I now think of it as the Sunning Hill. But, you know, we'd often like read the funny cards out loud and then you pass them around. And that's the other thing. The cards always get passed. So now you've got this beautiful sentimental note, moment of silence, maybe read the actual card. I don't know what to do. There's too many options. And again, this is one of the best kinds of problems to have. Right? We're celebrating. (laughs) We're writing each other notes. There's friends or friends and family gathered. And you're trying to respect and honor everybody. You're trying to honor and acknowledge the person that gave you this card with this lovely note in it. And at the same time, not subject everybody around you to your reading or maybe to sentiments that are a little too personal for that kind of gathering, depending on what's written. There's some good etiquette here. Okay, so maybe we start with when giving a gift and and giving a sentimental note, save the note for another time, or even as the giver, say, save the note to read for later, but definitely dive into the gift. Like, give a little bit of, like, permission, I think, that helps. Certainly a good option. Send the note silently to the house, (laughs) like, give a gift with just the, you know, to Joan from Ellis, you know, whatever works. There's just, there's some options the giver has to make this easier on the celebrant who's like, you know, all eyes on me. I like that. If that doesn't happen and you find yourself in the situation that our question asker is where you're opening a card and there, sure enough, is more than a paragraph or two written out in the card. It's got 
let's say, letter-style writing inside it. If it's just a note, if it's a couple sentences, I think you're fine to scan it, read it silently. That's going to give me enough information to know if I want to share it with the group, read some of it, read a part of it, read none of it, but I feel comfortable passing it around and letting other people read it. I think that that's a very reasonable thing. In fact, as I think about those birthday gatherings where we are opening cards and sharing them and sharing them with each other. There's something nice about taking the time with those cards to enjoy them and appreciate them and share them together. I think that I would have in my mind a little awareness that if it's becoming too self-indulgent, if this has happened again and again, or there really is enough writing that's going to take me a while to get through it, I might do exactly what you mentioned in the question, say, oh, you've written something really nice here. I can't wait to sit down and give it the attention it deserves and set it aside. And then I wouldn't necessarily share that with everyone because I haven't had a chance to look it over yet. The only other thing I would keep in mind is the situation that I'm operating in. Is it really everybody sitting around a table enjoying opening gifts and cards? Or are there people that are looking to move on? Is the food waiting till this is all done? Are there some people that need to go? I think you might also make your judgment or assessment based on the signals or the cues that you're getting from people around you as well as what you feel and what you see in that card when you open it. What a great problem to have. I hope that you have many more opportunities to navigate this tricky situation. Well, that's one general purpose of some social letters. Giving invitations, accepting invitations, sending regrets that you can't be present. Now, here's a group of letters with another purpose. These are letters of thanks. Uh, Tell me, Nora, which of these did you really enjoy the most? Our final question is titled, Fetus and Fitness. (laughs) I'm very curious. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you so much for your podcast and all your helpful answers to your listeners' questions. I've seen it really shape my thinking into a more considerate and respectful practice. I'm writing today with a question about workout classes at my local YMCA. I am 22 weeks pregnant. Congratulations. Congratulations. And I love taking certain classes to keep up my fitness levels during my pregnancy. The classes are designed to reach all fitness levels, and the instructors encourage everyone to modify moves to suit their health needs and goals. My question is this. The last 10 minutes of one of my favorite classes is always an extended sequence done laying on the back. I am not supposed to do any moves laying down that way because of my pregnancy. It feels awkward and like a total waste of time to sit in class watching everyone else do moves that I cannot do. I'd like to just leave early, but I'm not sure if this is rude. I've seen other people do this before, some with great regularity. What's your take? Thank you again for the excellent podcast. Sincerely, Pregnant Fitness Fanatic. I say leave the class. (laughs) I think, I mean, that's my thought. Just tell the instructor, let them know that, you know, I'm going to skip out once it's it's down to the moves I can't do. If you had a reason, if there was something at the end of the class you liked staying for, then I would find a way to occupy myself until then. But this one feels pretty cut and dry to me. Are you going to find a way to caveat the heck out of it? Of course. Oh, my God. All right, give it to me. <laughs> I think you hit the major etiquette points. Oh, that, thank you. <laughs> well, you check in with the teacher, right? Yes, totally. I'm I'm not so worried about the other students in class, particularly if there's a culture of people doing this, but having taught yoga classes at one point in my life, it's nice to know why people are just picking up and taking off. It, I think so, right? <laughs> 
and you can guess. You could say, oh, they always leave a little early. They've got somewhere to go. But in this case, I think sharing what you're comfortable sharing, if it's not the reasons why you don't do those exercises, just that you don't do those exercises. If you're comfortable sharing, you might share why and even see if there are some alternatives, some other options that you could use during that time if you wanted to. I think you could also proceed as you suggest and just skip that part of the class. So was that enough of an elaboration to warrant me jumping in also? The, the, the potential <laughs> options for some alternatives would be the oh, extension Oh, you should here. always jump in. You should always jump in. I just like to tease you about it. <laughs> Pregnant fitness fanatic, keep up the great work, and we hope this is a smooth and healthy pregnancy. And this baby will become a full-grown boy or girl, and eventually a father or a mother, thus continuing the cycle of human growth. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach out via Twitter, where we're at emilypostins, or Facebook, where we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post or comments so that we know you want it on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today's first piece of feedback was about combined kids' parties. We had a mom who had written in about having kids whose birthdays all fell very close together. And, and we also had a mom of twins who wrote in asking about combined birthdays and gift giving. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I had a tiny feedback about the children's birthday party where the kids all had the same birthday or near each other. A friend of mine gave her son a choice to have a really great present or an event like going to Chuck E. Cheese or to paintball or whatever. It really depends on the age of the children. I mean, if they're 11, 12, and 15, that's different than if they're 2, 4, and 6 when they're more likely to be interested in similar types of games and parties are likely to be built around these similar interests. Anonymous, thank you so much for sending in your feedback. It's really true. At certain ages, I think this might be a lot easier, and at other ages, it might be a little more difficult. This question was something I heard about just in my walk around life. We have a number of parents of twins in our social circles around central Vermont. Um, Susan, who does the bookkeeping at the Emily Post Institute, is a grandmother of twins, and she was tickled by this question because it is such a challenge when you have multiple honorees for kids' birthday parties, and the temptation to combine them is so great. And she really appreciated us thinking about that question of whether it was appropriate or not, faced with the reality that it was likely to be happening pretty regularly. I was going to say, we'll have to see what the, what she decides to do as a grandma. <laughs> Indeed. Anonymous, thank you for the feedback. And Susan, we know you're listening. Keep us posted. We want to hear how this all works out. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates, and please keep them coming. We need more of your feedback. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. We look forward to hearing from you. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to conclude our series of 
tips on how to eat tricky foods taken from the 19th edition of Emily Post Etiquette. Today we are finishing our section on difficult to eat foods, where we are going to go from shish kebab through soup, spaghetti, and on to tea, and then we are finished. <laughs> This list cracks me up in terms of what makes the selections and why. <laughs> But shall we further on with shish kebab? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, shish kebab is one of my favorites、uh, when I ate meat, and still one of my favorites just now with vegetables. Probably part of The reason it made the list. Maybe I don't know about that. I don't know if I was consulted. <laughs> shish kebab, shish kebab, chunks of meat, fish, and vegetables threaded onto skewers and then broiled or grilled are eaten directly from the skewer only when they're served as an hors d'oeuvre. When eating shish kebab as a main course, lift the skewer and use your fork to push and slide the chunks off the skewer and onto your plate. Place the emptied skewer at the edge of your plate. And use your fork and knife to cut the meat and vegetables into manageable pieces, one bite at a time. I want shish kebab now. Just thinking about that, I'm ready to do some summer grilling. Right? This、Doesn't、sounds that so sound good. good? <laughs> But I'm not going to eat it like an ear of corn. Oh yes, no, not directly off the stick. <laughs> Next up, we have soup. Dip the soup spoon sideways into the soup at the near edge of the bowl, then skim from the front of the bowl to the back. Sip from the side of the spoon, being careful not to slurp. If the soup is too hot, it's okay to blow gently over the soup in the spoon before you put it in your mouth. If you want a bite of bread while eating your soup, don't hold the bread in one hand and your soup spoon in the other. Instead, rest your spoon, then have a bite of bread. To retrieve the last spoonful, slightly tip the bowl away from you, and then spoon away from you as well to reduce the chance of spilling in your lap. Where do you leave your spoon when you're pausing or finished? If the bowl is shallow, leave it in the bowl. If the bowl is deep or the soup is in a cup, leave the spoon on the underplate or saucer. That makes sense to me. And soup manners are one of those things that stick with people. The dip your spoon away from yourself,、mm-hmm. clear the drip on the bottom of the spoon on the far side of the bowl, and then tip away when it comes time to get that last delicious bite. I feel like. Also, the other kind of soup etiquette that's not in here is that you don't slurp. We had a whole section on slurping soup, or whether you're supposed to put the whole bowl of the spoon into your mouth and remove what's on it. There was a lot more about how to manipulate the spoon that I think we need to get into in the next edition of this book or the next rendition of, of where we talk about soup etiquette, because there is quite a lot to it depending on the type of soup that you're eating. There really is the whole evolution of the spoon coming from the ladle. Where you pour off the side of it, we don't need to get into that when we write the book, but it is an interesting background to how you use a spoon. It is, it certainly is, and the whole like a lot of people try to kind of slurp or drink off their spoon, and that creates a lot of noise at the table. So anyway, more to come for sure on soup. What do we have next? Well, there's a little subsection here about French onion soup. This tricky to eat soup requires a few pointers. That's because it's topped with a slice of French bread covered with melted cheese, notorious for stretching from bowl to mouth in an unbroken strand. To break through to the soup, take a small amount of cheese onto your spoon and twirl it until the strand forms a small clump. Then cut the strand off neatly by pressing the edge of the spoon against the edge of the bowl. Or you could use a knife for cutting, using your spoon and the knife if necessary, to cut and eat the bread called a crouton. Eat the cheese and bread, and then enjoy the soup. 
If any strands of cheese trail from your mouth, bite them off cleanly so that they fall back into the bowl of the spoon. Definitely a complicated one. Not to be undertaken during business meetings. Not to be undertaken when you're really trying to impress somebody. <laughs> so delicious and so messy. Absolutely. Next up, we have spaghetti and other long noodles. The traditional method for eating spaghetti, linguine, fettuccine, and tagliatelle is to place your fork vertically into the pasta at its edge until the tines touch the plate, and then twirl it, catching a few strands until the strands form a fairly neat clump. The resulting package should be small enough to fit into your mouth. If it's not, then start over. The alternative is to hold the fork in one hand and a large spoon in the other. Take a few strands of the pasta on the fork and place the tines against the bowl of the spoon, twirling the fork to neatly wrap the strands. For those who haven't mastered the art of twirling pasta strands, there's the simple cutting method. Just be sure not to cut the whole plateful at one time. Instead, use your knife and fork to cut small portions or sections. We conclude our tricky foods postscript series with tea. Brood. Either the hostess pours and passes the cups, or the pot is passed, and each person serves herself. Strong tea can be diluted with hot water poured from a second pot. Tea bags. After steeping, let the bag drip briefly into the cup as you remove it, and place it on a saucer or plate. No squeezing it with your fingers or the string. Some restaurants serve a selection of tea bags with a small pot of hot water. It's less messy to put the tea bag into the pot. Let it steep and then pour the tea into your cup. We could talk about tea etiquette for many postscripts. We could. That's a whole section in and of itself. But we hope you have enjoyed our series on how to eat difficult foods. And please send us your requests for more difficult foods to tackle. It would be really fun to do some more postscript segments on this topic. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And we love hearing about it. And today we have a grateful passenger. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I wanted to ask you to salute a couple of gentlemen who I sat next to on a plane ride from Frankfurt to Washington D.C. I was pregnant, holding my toddler son, and traveling solo. The flight was nine hours long, and my son slept for the first hour and a half and the last half hour. He was completely alert and active the rest of the time. The men sitting on either side of me were so supportive and helpful. My son had no concept of personal space and frequently reached out and held their hands or kicked his feet out playfully, not thinking that they might contact an actual person. They never once complained and reassured me that it was fine. When food or drinks came, they held my drinks on their trays so as to prevent spills, waited to eat until I had received my food so as to prevent the jealous screams of a toddler, and took my trash when I was done so that he would not get food mess everywhere. They helped me with my bags and generally supported me all trip long. I don't know if they realized how helpful they were, but I am so so grateful. Thank you for the excellent podcast. Sincerely, a grateful passenger. I love this salute from someone who has a new fatherly appreciation for little kids and the challenges that they present. Grateful passenger, thank you so much for sharing this. We hear so many examples of horrible travel stories, and it is so nice to hear about a situation where everyone was at their best and it worked out. Indeed. 
you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with your friends, family, and coworkers uh, on social media, via word of mouth, any way that you can. Please remember you can also send us your questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the regular version of the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps with our show ranking. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and is assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.